think I always felt that I'd be more comfortable after graduation working public. I think I just didn't want the stress of having to worry about money. I think when we all graduate, we know that we're not great. You know, we're hardly a finished product. We only have a very small amount of experience across a lot of different areas of dentistry. And I just didn't feel like I was ready to charge people. I just didn't feel comfortable. I still felt like I had a lot of learning to do. And I just felt like public would give me the best opportunity to do that just without having certain pressures like time pressures or money pressures. And I knew that as well, one other big advantage of working public at least when I was, was that I had a ton of patients. Like there was never a shortage of cases and it was just lots and lots of exposure. CPD Junkie Dental Podcast is about connecting with passionate Australian dentists who are improving themselves and have attended various CPD courses. My aim is to find out for you the best CPD courses around and what they did to help get them to where they are today. So you can consider doing it and becoming the best dentist you can be quicker. Hey, CPD Junkie fam. I'm your host, Dr. Lawrence Stone, and today we're joined by Dr. Amanda Lynn. She completed her BDS honors in, from UQ in 2018. Following graduation, she worked in the public sector for the Hunter New England Local Health District across a variety of regional and rural commu- dental community clinics. She's currently the second year of the Declin Dent Pediatric Dentistry Program with the UCID and is based in Westmead Center of Oral Health and Children's Hospital at Westmead. Dr. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Lawrence. It's good to catch up with a friend. Yes, yes. Full disclosure, me and Dr. Amanda, we know we first met during our university days when we were both on the same ADSA committee, hashtag Melbourne ADSA convention, hey? Lives forever <laughs> in our memories. Sure. Too many, yeah, too many stories to share openly on this podcast, but we'll yeah. dive straight into it. So tell us about your dental and CPD journey so far. So my dental journey has been a bit rocky at times, but um, essentially, as as you said, um, straight out of high school, moved out of home, went into state to Brisbane and studied dentistry. Um, and um, after that, went straight to really wanted to work in public. Um, so was looking for options in New South Wales and um ended up getting a position with Hunter New England, which I'm really grateful for, and worked there for a few years. Um, And really for me, the goal though, that I had um, sort of set myself upon sort of towards kind of fourth, fifth year of dental school is that I did really want to figure out if I wanted to do PEDS and work towards PEDS. And so there were definitely a lot of steps um, post-graduation that I tried to take the best that I could to get there. And um, I was lucky enough to be able to get into the Sydney program and started that last year. So I'm still very much at the start of the journey. And I know that even after I graduate, it's going to be definitely a lifetime of learning. Um, But that's where I am now. I'm in my second year and um, almost halfway. Yeah. So let's dive in. So you graduate, right, thinking that you want to specialize, but you end up at Hunter New England. So how did you choose that was the path that you want to go down or, you know, if it was just an opportunity that kind of came about? I think um, probably a few reasons. I think I always um, felt that I'd be more comfortable after graduation working public. I think I just didn't want the stress of having to worry about money. I wanted to um I didn't want to worry about I I think when we all graduate we know that we're not great you know we're hardly a finished product we 
only have a very small amount of experience really across a lot of different areas of dentistry and I just didn't feel like I was ready to charge people and everyone has different perspectives on this I just didn't feel comfortable um I still felt like I had a lot of learning to do and I just felt like public would give me the best opportunity to do that just without having certain pressures like time pressures or money pressures and I knew that as well in hindsight I can see as well one other big advantage of working public at least where I was, was that I had a ton of patients. Like there was never a shortage of cases and it was just um, lots and lots of exposure. Um, in terms of how I ended up in Hunter, I applied for a few public jobs. It happened to be the only public job I actually got an um, offer for, um, but I was also pretty happy to work regional um, because I just felt that maybe I would be exposed to more or different types of dentistry um, as well. Um, I think another thing as well is in terms of like this, the journey towards hopefully getting into a specialty program, this was kind of incidental, but looking back as well now, I think certain specialties may lend themselves, um, may lend themselves more favorably towards working in the public or private sector. So I think with PEDS, um, I think it can be, there can be some benefits of working in the public system. So I think that you will potentially be exposed more to like a hospital setting in some scenarios. Um, you, you will have the opportunity. A lot of um, LHDs will tend to have like a visiting paediatric dentist, for example. So you'll have like exposure to um, potentially like a mentor or see certain kinds of cases. And realistically, like a lot of the complex cases do end up being seen publicly as well. Um, so I think for those reasons, it kind of really worked with what I wanted to do. Um, and I did actually contemplate, I really contemplated working a bit privately um, because I thought oh, it would be great to just yeah, get a variety of exposure. Um, but that kind of didn't end up working out kind of because of COVID as well. Um, basically like my first year of grad was like, um, was pre-COVID times, whatever that was. And then second year was was when COVID happened and then it just all got too tricky. And then um, I also found that another huge advantage of working publicly, which worked out for me as well, was I knew that I wanted, needed to do the primaries mm -hmm. and I knew that I would have the leniency for time off work through the public sector. Um, and I am like, looking back, I'm so grateful I had that. So. Um, I'm sure we'll delve into a bit later on, but basically studying for the primaries took a lot of time and energy. Like there was the um, there was the prep course that was done online, but essentially took up like two, four weeks, but I was able to get like two weeks of leave off of that. I was able to get leave for study and leave for exams. And that just like didn't give me any financial pressure at all. Um, I knew that I could just focus on that. So lots of different reasons. Some yeah. of which I discovered along the way, I think, as well, though. And looking back, I'm really grateful. Um, and I also can see, like, compared to other colleagues who who kind of went on the journey as well with me and who also got into their specialty programs, they kind of, you know, might have worked privately, but they had to cut down their days um, to accommodate or just were really stressed. And, yeah, so that was a, another advantage looking back to yeah okay well let's let's dive into that a little bit so let's you're you're at hunter new england at the moment okay you've you've got in um and you know you knew a little bit about it 
And like you said, once you got into it, you knew even more about it and how it kind of complemented you. So um, what is involved during the job? You know, some people might be interested in finding out more about, you know, what it's like working in the public hospital. And then in addition to that, you know, if you do have future plans to specialize, you know, how did you kind of um, organize a bit more of that opportunity? You mentioned a little bit there, but I want to dive into more a little bit. Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess every LHD works quite differently. The Hunter Local New Health England District for like, people who aren't from New, New South Wales, yeah. yes. So, yeah, the Hunter New England Local Health District, it's a, it's, I think it is the largest district in New South Wales. It spans a significant part of New South Wales yes. from essentially um, like the southern border is like kind of Newcastle, which is about, for people who don't know, is about two and a half hours drive north of Sydney yeah. um, and spans all the way up to Armadale, which is um essentially up near the north northern area of New South Wales and expands westwards to I think maybe one of our most westward areas is probably Tamworth um and I think there's almost around 20 um sites um mm -hmm. which covers which includes um some local hospitals such as um in, in at key regional centers like Maitland Hospital um Marcelbrook Hospital Tamworth Hospital um and lots of local community dental clinics, which are part of community health centres. Yeah. Um, and when you get a job with Hunter New England, um, you're typically allocated to sort of a, an, an, a sub area within that LHD. So I was allocated to sort of like the more metro area of Hunter New England, which was, um, which was yeah, sort of the greater Newcastle region. Um, mm -hmm. So still two and a half hours from Sydney. Um, and in terms of um, they had a structured program where when you are a new graduate um, in your first year, um, it's very much structured that they have a lot of young dentists in that LHD. Um, and so you're obviously allocated to a clinic where there will be a senior dentist um, who's, um, who's aware that they need to help guide you and aware that you're going to need support, uh, especially in your first year. Mm -hmm. um, and you're typically allocated to one or two clinics um, and you have allocated days there. Um, and so typically in your first year, you um, are very much doing general dentist, definitely just general dentistry. And you also, we had a lot of opportunities for observation, which I really liked, even though they weren't necessarily areas that you might go into at all, or had no interest in, it was still really good to just get that exposure. Like for example, in my first year, I had observations with um, the MaxFax team at John Hunter Hospital or at another hospital nearby where we'd go into theatre with them and um, watch them do their oral surgery or follow them around for their consult clinics, yeah. um, like head and neck cancer patients, to watching um, one of the local periodontists, George Sy, um, do like a clinic there. Um, peds as well. We had two visiting paediatric dentists and so um, you'd have a day just watching them as well. Mm -hmm. um, and there were also some dedicated um, sort of internal CPD days as well, which you could choose to do. Um, so my experience was very much like I felt eased in. I definitely didn't feel pressure. Um, I think anyone who first graduates just feels you already have that initial leap of like going from being supervised to unsupervised, and that was already a big deal. And yeah. I definitely feel like what I got out of that first year was that we're all going to make mistakes. There's no doubt about that. 
and it's going to be really stressful when that happens. Mm-hmm. But I think I just liked that I was in a team. I had people around me. I never felt like I was alone in a clinic. I never felt like if something went wrong, I didn't have someone I could go and find and help get me out of that situation and bail me out, mm-hmm. which definitely happened a few times. Yeah. Um, so I just felt like I definitely had a, a comfort zone. Yeah. Well, I mean, did they know that you wanted to specialize prior to joining or, and, you know, when mm-hmm. they knew that you joined, did you speak out a little bit more about it to kind of view some of the way the courses or some of the path that they were going to help you out with? Yeah, I did. Um, so I don't think I looking, I don't think I mentioned in my interview, but I think like when we first started, like in our orientation week, um, we just kind of had like an entry interview where they kind of just sussed, sussed out, you know, what kind of general interest you had or like key things that you're concerned about. And I definitely did mention to them, I was really interested in just getting an opportunity to see kids. Ironically, I say that, you know, being in public was, I think did help me um, in ways just getting towards where I wanted to be. But ironically in my LHD, all the kids were seen by oral health therapists. It was actually really challenging to be a dentist and see kids so I actually didn't really see many kids in my first year but there were definitely opportunities and I think um by like making it really clear to the team there that I really wanted to see kids I was given opportunities that I um wouldn't have had privately so much so one example probably the three main things that I did when I worked publicly that um maybe three and a half four was the first one was that um without asking one of one of my clinical leads um, Claire Keeble, she offered for me in my second year to be involved in a special needs clinic. Mm-hmm. So um, as you may know, regionally, just in general, there are not many specialists and special needs is a particularly rare specialty. Yes. Um, and so Claire Keeble um, is a general dentist, but has a lot of special needs exposure. And so we provide that clinic provided um, recall and ongoing care for these um, a very large number of um, special needs patients and that included pediatric patients and that was a really good exposure to behavioral management and just understanding like the long-term journey of these patients who are pediatric special needs kids um, but have this lifetime ahead of them and seeing what that entails yeah so that was really really good um the other thing that I got um involved in which I had to do a course for first was um, we had an RA referral clinic so not all the dentists did RA and that was partly because we only had some sites that were plumbed that had nitrous Um, but once I did my RA certification I was able to do that and that meant that I was able to do treatment um, which was great and then the third thing which just arose through opportunity as well was that we had one school dental clinic in our area and so when the um, previous dentist went on mat leave, there was an opportunity for someone to be involved. And thankfully for me, no one else wants to see kids. So um, I was offered to get involved with that. And that was just one day a week. But that was amazing just to be just to have a dedicated day where I was seeing kids had such a great team there as well. It was a beautiful clinic. And um, yeah, just being in, being exposed to cases. I think the fourth thing that was really like really um, just an opportunistic thing that I really couldn't have seen coming was um, when I was in my 
think it was in my first year, I got involved in the ADA New South Wales mentoring program, mm-hmm. and, um, which I think we've, we've both been involved in. And I mentioned obviously in my, my application that I was interested in PEDS. And um, before I had um, graduated, I already knew Professor Richard Widmer, um, but like serendipitously, like um, he happened to be my allocated <laughs> mentor for the mentoring program, which was really random, but yes. great. And so it just meant that I suppose we just had an even more structured like mentor-mentee um, relationship. And one of the things which I'm so grateful that he um, organised for me, and this is not something that I even asked for or even conceived could be an option, but um, for anyone who doesn't know, he's the head of department at the Children's Hospital at Westmead. And he arranged for a secondment for me. So a secondment is essentially where you, um, a, a secondment is essentially where you work within your role within a wider organisation, which is New South Wales Health, but that I transferred, that I just worked at a different site or within a different network um, within that role. So instead of working for Hunter New England as a dental officer for two weeks, even though it was two weeks, um, I worked at the children's hospital for two weeks and that would have not been possible if I worked privately. And I know for a fact as well in terms of observations in some big hospitals as well, it's um, from a paperwork perspective, it's much mm-hmm. easier if you're already um, enlisted as a, uh, like if you already have a staff link number, for example, in New South Wales Health, it's much easier paperwork. So I think yeah. there are a lot of various factors that, um yeah, that I worked, tried to work towards during that time in public. Um, and a lot of that was because um, of opportunities that came up and I, I think would have been much easier through public than, than um, private. Yeah, I think, um, you know, for my perspective on this is like for the short time that I was back in my fifth year in Adelaide, we had a placement in Wyong. Um, which is um, central coast of New South Wales. And that was a really great opportunity. Um, and during that placement time, there was opportunities when I was speaking to the, the clinical lead to ask to, you know, observe specialists. And that was very helpful. Um, in addition to that, I did find that when I was working for a short stint, when I was in Adelaide as the house dentist, um, post-graduating, there was opportunities. You're very well connected with the other specialties. And even if you had some time off, they're very open for you to come in and observe, or, you know, even if you arrange ahead of time that you want to take some time off to go and observe, it's very easy for that, um, kind of flow on to, to happen. So, um, I'm not saying that, yeah, public has to be the way you go, but it is very advantageous for you if you plan to specialize in the future. Um, yeah. Totally. Yeah. And there are so many people who've worked privately who've been super successful in getting into the program and we all just have different backgrounds, but it so happened to be that I also just liked, I think I like working in public, not having that pressure, and you feel like you really are helping um, a, a vulnerable population, especially in a regional area. It really, I know it sounds so cliche, especially if you haven't worked regional rural, but like there truly is such a need for... Mm for dental care in general it's crazy the old health burden that you see out there and Newcastle alone was already the case and once you moved even further out like when I worked um on occasional rural trips um to further out it's yeah it's a significant need so it's definitely something I recommend for people who might have an inkling in 
being interested in it, that they should look into it and consider it at least for a year or just to explore it, just to find your feet. I think it's good, good, good experience. Yeah. And the other thing that you just mentioned as well was like, you know, the ADA peer-to-peer mentoring. Like, yes, I think ADA tries to match you up as best as they can to someone um, who is in your particular area of interest, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get, you know, the person you're you're hoping to get. Um, but it does it does um, put you instead for you know, connecting with other people who you probably wouldn't have had an opportunity to connect with. Um, mm-hmm. My own experience was pretty good with it too. Yeah. Yeah, you did a you did it for one two years, Lawrence. Did you? Or are you yeah. a mentor? Yeah. So I, I had a mentor um, that I was paired up with who was out of my area. Um, he was based in Canberra. Um, shout out to Dr. Chris Hardwick. Um, and he was um, there to kind of support me through the first few years. Um, we, we kept on um, for the following year as well. Um, he was happy to, I was happy to. And then, um, yeah, we just kind of carried on. And it was great mm-hmm. to have someone in your corner who's kind of hearing you out, you know, giving you a balanced view about everything because, you know, there's always two sides to a story about anything, but, you know, someone who's been down the road and can look back and be like, with Lawrence, you know, you, you got to humble yourself and, you know, be mindful about some of these things. So, yeah, I think yeah. that's a great um, way to connect with people who you wouldn't otherwise um, and who are genuinely passionate about wanting to help you. Um, that's what they're there for and that's what they want to do. So, you know, it's a great program to be a part of and it's growing every year. Um, yeah, I mean, we can dive into it a little bit later, given that, I mean, yeah. at one point we were both part of the recent graduate committee and I'm still am, um, yeah. which I actually want to talk about another thing is, so mm-hmm. during the time you've got this, you know, hospital um, graduate program, you were actually part of another recent graduate program. Yes, the recent graduate committee, is that what we're talking about? No, I'm talking about the uh, the Avenue Dental with the Australian Graduate of the Year program. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yes. I, you were a part funny, of that. Yeah, I was. It's funny because everything, I, I feel so old now. I just feel like uni wasn't that long ago. So everything that's like immediately postgraduate, I think especially if it's pre-COVID, I'm like, like that did happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Dr. Manley. Uh, this is, I need to know these things about you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, the Avenue program was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was, it was really fun, actually. I mm-hmm. think just like a combination of the vibe of people, um, like who doesn't like going to Queensland? Obviously I'm biased because I studied in Queensland, like beautiful weather. <laughs> um, and I had a heap of friends who were there and everyone who was um, part of the program was enthusiastic. Um, yeah. And I think we had, I don't think I was able to attend all of them. But I think there were four days, um, that were arranged for the year that um, for 2019 and I went to three of them um, and they were really really enthusiastic really really helpful um, clinically hands-on um, and yeah very, very generous of them to organize all of that of course as well. Yeah, if, if our listeners want to, you know, catch an episode where we interview one of the guests here, huh? it's a few episodes earlier, but I want to dive into, yeah, your own experience. So you had four days um, that was organized for you. Um, and this is pre-COVID. So, you know, there was a chance to go and meet in person. Um, how did you find the program? You know, because um, that's what some people might want to know. Yeah. So um, 
I think there were the few key days. The main ones that I remember was there was one on um, restorative, basic restorative dentistry. So your like direct restorative and indirect restorative dentistry. Um, we also had some other presentations dotted throughout the time. Like we had um, one of the one of their local um, Maxfax surgeons they refer to come and speak to us about um, oral surgery, which was fantastic. Um, and um, I found that it was just really like down to earth. Um, there was like no BSing around. They just would tell us what um, protocols they use um, and just really like reinforce the fact that it's it's important to have good standards in, in general dentistry. And I think that really reinforced it from just, you know, when we um, first graduated, like for example, just simple things like, you know, how they approach like a class two restoration, like really, really bread and butter general dentistry that we all need to know. Um, obviously for me, I kind of already knew that I wanted to do pizza. Some things like some things that I already knew that I was less interested in, um, like to some degree, I'm not as was never as interested in like fixed pros or endo. Um, I know that my other friends found to be really, really useful. Um, they went through, I know they had a day on, on communication as well, which I wasn't able to attend, but my friends found really, really useful. Um, and probably was more useful for people who were in private, obviously, mm -hmm. as well, because of, they are a private practice um, group. Um, so it was a little bit less applicable to me um, in public, but I still really appreciate that. And as I said, the main thing that I did really like when I was um, in general dental was I actually really enjoyed like your basic restorative work. I appreciated being able to do like good quality filling and know that it's going to last um, under like well-controlled environment. And I really enjoyed oral surgery as well. So having that presentation, I have to try to remember the name of Max Fax. He's a fantastic and um, fantastic guy. Um, on a kind of related note, really can't remember his name, but he was wonderful. Um, the Max Fax that they did come to come speak to us, I think he had recently graduated, um, but he just had a great presentation. He was really friendly. And I actually, if not for that Avenue Dental program, I wouldn't have known him, but I actually reached out to him after he had presented to us. And I'd actually contacted him a few times about various cases mm. um, as well. Um, and I think there was one or two times where I reached out to um, Eli and Steve as well about cases as well. So I think he was really, really helpful in first year. I just remember thinking in my first year out that we take for granted that when we're in uni that we have teachers for different areas of dentistry, but we lose, we don't have those immediate connections anymore once we graduated. And I really try to sort of surround myself with people who are kind of like experts in their area when mm -hmm. I graduated. And you just need, I just felt like I really needed to have someone to ask about this kind of case or that kind of case. And things like going to Avenue or being involved in ADA really helped me find people that um, were willing to help and um, willing to like spend um, a, a minute just to reply back to an email when I was in a bit of a crisis about um, an oral surgery case or had a burning question. So I think that's the main sort of feeling that I remember I had when I was in grad, just not knowing a lot and needing to find people in different parts of dentistry to get there. Yeah. So, okay, you've got these two, two different um, programs that you've got going on. You're working in the public hospital, you're meeting up with specialists and you're doing all that. So the primaries come around the corner because you've decided you want to specialize early, early on. 
Yeah. So how did you find, you know, the process in a, you know, leading up to doing the primaries? Mm. It's funny because I was, when you asked me, when I knew that I had to talk about CBD, I'm thinking, what kind of CBD did I do? I did do a lot of paid CBD, but I really think one of the biggest CPDs that I think people forget is a CPD is the primaries. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I've had lots of people ask me about the primary since I've done it. And I think my main take-home message is that I don't sugarcoat it. It was hard. It was a lot of content. It's not hard to pass if that's the goal to pass, but to also feel confident that you're going to pass, you do have to study a fair amount to get there because there is just so much content and you're only going to be examined on a select amount of that content. So to know that no matter what they ask, you're going to pass is what is stressful. Mm -hmm. Um, So in terms of like the process of preparing for the primaries, um, basically like I, I, I do recommend the prep course. Um, So people, for people who don't know, the RACDS typically will run a preparation course Mm-hmm. Um, I know that this year is a little bit different, but traditionally in the past, exams were in like late November, early December, and then the preparation course would be um, in like the first two weeks of July. I think pre-COVID, they actually did it in person. So you would have two weeks um, at like the Women's College or something, University of Sydney. The year I did it, it was online. Mm-hmm. And um, the um, I think basically nowadays it is all online. So um, in terms of like the preparation process leading up to the prep course, they had already released all the lectures that um, you needed to go through beforehand. So mm-hmm. just tried my best to get through as many of those lectures as possible. Um, the actual preparation course nowadays, my understanding is that they essentially run Q&A sessions. So it's implied that you already have watched the lectures and then um, each of the key lecturers will run a Q and one or two Q and A sessions on their um, one of the six topics, um, mm-hmm. and then really the most of it is self study. And I think the biggest tip that I have is if you can work like study with someone. Um, I was really lucky that I studied with I think four or five other people um, who were like some great friends from uni. We were just really lucky, and we had a um, yeah I think there were six of us and. Five of us were, sorry, four of us were actively applying for programs and all of us made it in. And so we just had like a great, we um, just helped each other out so much. But I think there's just so much content that you just really need to bounce ideas off other people um, where you don't understand something in a lecture or you're trying to figure out what's an important thing to study or understand a concept. Um, Even though a lot of it's been forgotten now, (laughs) There was a time where I knew the content and I knew it well and mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been that, like the support of other people. But I know that's not always easy for everyone to find people who happen to be, you know, people you already know who happen to be doing it together. I know some people sometimes reach out on forums for each other. Um, I think um, other tips I would have for preparation would be um, like just study, try to study as smart as, smart as you possibly can. Um, so they tend to, I think a good basis is going through all the past paper questions, just like whenever we've prepared for exams, it's always helpful to just um, like to practice at what the end outcome is, which is sitting the exam. And so some of those questions may be repeated or they might have a way that they ask the questions. I think it's also good to be smart with looking at how the papers are structured. So for example, for memory, like the anatomy exam, 
would have two really large essay questions, which were like key topics that you can see recur over the years. So it'd be, um, you know, if you had limited time, like you try to learn those big topics, which will give you most of your marks already, for example, um, would be my advice. But unfortunately, um, still a bit PTSD from like some of those subjects like pathology I remember and microbio unfortunately are just huge swathes of information that unfortunately you can't get it you, there's no real trick to getting through that I think you just have to put in the time and effort um, the other thing I think is just allocating time obviously to it um, truthfully I found it like really really hard to do any study after work um, I think maybe it's easier for other people than me, but truthfully, like most of the study happened on weekends. And I think um, it's just important to know that if, like, if you're committing to it, like just be aware that you just need to have weekends or you need to have more time to study for it. Um, I definitely recommend time off before the exams. Um, I took two weeks off. Not everyone necessarily needs that, but um, I was able to get two weeks off because of working in public, I had to leave. And that was really useful because, and everyone's style is different, but I'm definitely a crammer and mm -hmm. that definitely facilitated my cram style um, and just like really getting into the zone at the time. Yeah. So, I mean, you get through the primaries, you pass, all right? And obviously now it's time to kind of decide where you want to go in terms of specialty, you know, uh, I mean, you already knew that you wanted specialized uh, in pediatrics. I mean, what drew you to pediatrics to begin with because you knew, already knew prior to um, graduating that was kind of where you wanted to go um, yeah it was definitely like kind of really stumbled my way into and I feel like in many ways like I feel very lucky with the people that I've met and just the things that I've stumbled across um, in terms of how I chose peds basically I think um in my, for people who don't know me well, um, my friends know this, but I actually didn't really like dentistry when I was in dental school at the start. I didn't want to be in dentistry and I wanted to do medicine as I'm sure a lot of us did. And I just, but I think a bit, a big part of it was I had a very vanilla experience of dentistry as a child. Like I had six monthly recalls from when I was like, six months old so I never had any treatment done apart from like some minor orthodontics and so all I knew about dentistry was really boring and I just thought it would be the most unstimulating career ever and um so when I got into I think yeah in third year um I think that was the year we did ADSA that was the year we did ADSA and um I think after my second year I decided I'm gonna stop being woe is me and try to actually figure out what dentistry is about. And I think um, a big part, of, like a big catalyst in like my dental journey was actually doing ADSA because mm -hmm. as sponsorship officer, I was like, my mind was like completely blown in terms of meeting industry and actually understanding all the different areas of dentistry. And so through that, I met lots of different people um, and had an idea of who's who. And I then decided to just, I realized there was more to dentistry and I just wanted to see what options there were. So I think like there was one day in a holiday where I just Googled um, like specialties in dentistry 
And I kind of went through the list and I was like, yeah, not that one, <laughs> not that one. Maybe, maybe that or that. And I think I kind of narrowed it down to things that I felt were a bit more, um, I want to use the term holistic, but not sort of things that I felt were more involved with sort of like the medical dental interface um, or more sort of surgery based. And so kind of narrowed it down to periopedes and oral surge. Um, but I knew that I, I I wasn't too keen on maybe like committing another couple of years of my life to studying another degree. So I just Googled like Sydney periodontist and like Sydney pediatric dentist. And I must have clicked on like the first practice of each and then ended up observing one of each. So I observed a periodontist, Dr. Tino Mercado, who was lovely um, and also stumbled across Prof Widmer's private practice. Um, dental pediatrics and just flicked them an email and asked if I could observe um, really didn't think they would get back to me because I didn't get anything for like two weeks and mm. then out of the blue I got an email saying yeah just um, you know Richard would be happy for you to come and observe and that's pretty much where it started I Dr Mikado was fantastic but I could just tell that that was not the kind of career that I wanted to have for the rest of my life and um I think watching the way that Prof Wunder works with kids, like you, you have to be very unusual to not be inspired by watching him work. Like I think it just really opened my eyes to a very humanistic side of dentistry, which I was really um, craving, I guess, working with um, all sorts of children, um, really seeing them in different light. I guess I've always liked kids as well, but um, it showed there's lots of different reasons why I think PEDS is really interesting. I think I've always been drawn to the idea of just growth and development in general and seeing how um, there's a very preventive aspect, I suppose, to it. You know, if you treat an anomaly or a trauma or a significant incident well earlier on in this person's lifetime, you're going to, you know that you're going to set them up for success later on. And I really liked that idea. Um, mm. interceptive treatment um, the other thing as well is I just really wanted variety I, I get really easily bored and there's tons of variety in, in peds from just the types of cases you see every child is really different personality um, but you also work in teams so you work you, there's quite a bit of multi-disc work so whether it's within the dental field like working with an orthodontist or a maxfax um, or an endodontist or in a medical setting as well, you're contacting their pediatrician or their endocrinologist um, or um, all sorts of people. And so, mm. and that's even heightened in a hospital setting. Um, and so it's completely different um, culture um, or sort of um, setting than most general dentistry is, even public general dentistry. And I just really liked how dynamic it was um, but I think it's like a really humbling field to be in. Like I, I know that kids aren't for everyone and truly there was a time where I was like, I'm not sure if I can handle kids either. Um, <laughs> and trust me, I'm sure lots of pediatric dentists feel that way sometimes as well. So please don't think that general dentists are the only people who think that way. Um, <laughs> but it's, I think it's like there's nothing that feels better when you prove to a child that they can achieve something and you're able to do this um, huge treatment on them and they realise they can do it. Um, 
you there's so many parts of peds as well that you'll never be exposed to really much in general dentistry dentistry as well so a big part i think is um, emergency trauma management or just emergency hospital dentistry which is fascinating um, and really really rewarding um, and I think a thing that often goes unsaid is as much as we all find parents difficult um, there are also lots of parents who really need help and I sometimes actually feel like I'm helping the parent more than the child and just by providing them reassurance or being able to explain um, the process that their child will go through or being able to provide them the answers they've been looking for is actually really, really rewarding. And I think people often think that they're not going to interact with adults when they work in PEDS, but that's actually anything but. You're just communicating with even more types of people, whether they're children or adults. And I think the last thing as well is most people fear that they're going to um, narrow down in only one type of dentistry when they specialise. But I think PEDS is maybe the one where you don't, where you essentially are using all of your skills, whether it is endo, pros, restorative, um, surgical, but you're just doing it in a very specific clientele. So there's lots of things that I think make peds really, really interesting. It's definitely not for everyone, but I think um, even if that doesn't make people interested in it, hopefully they can um, have an appreciation for what their paediatric dentist can do. I think so. I mean, all my tough cases, I would just refer it to you guys. So, I mean, let's talk about the process of getting into the specialist program because, you know, yes, you pass the primaries, but then, you know, deciding to apply and then getting in is also another difficulty, right? I mean, did you decide that, you know, New South Wales was the only place you were going to look at or did you look at other ones and how did you find that process? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, so um, I guess I probably did have like a inherent bias towards Sydney just because like that was the only exposure I had. So I'd, I'm from Sydney, even though I studied in Queensland, I had come to Sydney um, during my, my uni holidays and quite a few of those holidays I'd go and watch Richard at the children's hospital um, or in his private practice. And when I did more observations, I just did them in Sydney, I guess. Um, but I was aware that there were other programs around Australia. And the more I spoke to people, I realised that there are there, there are different styles. And it, it doesn't mean that any particular one is better than the other, but it's I think it is important to be aware of it. Um, in terms of like how you go about finding this information, I, I guess sometimes it can be really challenging. Like it's not like it's readily advertised on a website um, or anything as to you know what your options are, but I guess just meeting people helps. Um, for people, I guess if I um, explain it for people who might be interested in PEDS, basically your options in Australia right now are Sydney, Melbourne or Perth. Um, so that's in Australia. There is in um, Australasia, there's also like Hong Kong University, um, Otago University as well. But I knew I definitely wanted to stay in Australia. Um, in terms of understanding the different programs, you kind of just, sometimes you just ask people and they will tell you what their opinion is about the program for people. Um, for when I asked current registrars, like what they knew about the other programs um, when I wasn't in the program. Um, and I also tried to, and I think just by networking, you end up finding 
or hearing about people who are currently in other programs. Like for example, um, one of the things that, um, I think once again, a lot of this is very serendipitous, but um, when I first graduated, one of the um, registrars who was currently at Sydney Peds at the time, like happened to reach out to me because she actually had also graduated from UQ. And she thought that I was coming to observe at the kids hospital that week, but it actually wasn't me or someone else. But just from like her messaging me, like we have an amazing friendship and I'm so grateful for her for a lot of things, but she kind of um, was one of the people who really, um, for example, like put me in touch with other people. So I ended up contacting, um, getting in contact with someone from Perth, for example, and asking them about their experience. And um, I'd met someone from who was in the Melbourne program and just asked them about it. So I think you just have to ask and find out. Um, and I think it is important to, to be aware of the different styles so that you know what you're getting yourself into um, or what kind of style of learning you might have. I think in terms of like the sort of different ways that programs can teach you, I guess like to put it simply like there's probably like two key, three key areas of any program. There's your clinical exposure, um, your didactic slash academic exposure and your research. And each program will proportion their time and effort across those three areas differently. And I think that makes up your experience. And some people will prefer to um, emphasize some of those areas more than others. Other factors that people might consider um, being paid and how much they're being paid. Um, so for example, the Sydney program pays you. Um, my understanding is that in Melbourne, you are paid for on-call, but I don't believe you are for your other time. And I think Perth also does pay you a, an amount for the, your regular work as well as um, your on-call as well. So everyone's a little bit different. Some people mm. also just preference based on like um, proximity to family, like that's a big deal, obviously, to be close to your support networks. Um, some people might choose to like live from home, for example. So there's lots of decisions that may factor into it, but I did apply to all of them because um, I thought that any opportunity is at the end of the day, still an opportunity to train. And I think that's really important. Um, and um, I really was keen on um, going to visit each of the um, places, but unfortunately that was a bit more challenging around the time when I was applying because COVID had come around. But I definitely would recommend, if possible, to visit the um, each of the sites um, for at least like a day to observe and get to know people. But I think really the main thing is just to get a feel of the vibe and like meet some of the registrars and critically also like make yourself known to the program convener because um, they are conscious of the people who are interested in applying. Um, so I think in summary, basically, um, Firstly, I'd, I reckon you can search a bit of a, a bit about it online, and I think I'd start by definitely just um, contacting, finding out who the program director is, which is often advertised online. Just contacting them and asking to see if you can come and observe. Um, and I think from there, there's a lot of opportunities to meet people and understand what the programs are like. Dr. Amanda, thank you for coming on the show today. If you can let the people know how they can find you. Well, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I've got a LinkedIn profile. You can message me through there. And um, I'm also happy for you to message me through um, my Instagram page as well. So more than happy to answer any questions. I've definitely been on the other end where I've had to ask people. And I know that that's 
really helped in any small little small or big way so yeah definitely fire ahead if you have anything to ask at all mm, we'll definitely leave in the show notes below if you like this episode drop a comment below on your favorite part or leave a review don't forget to share it with your friends and we'll see you in the next episode of cp junkie podcast